You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Pit is brought to you by Mr. Beans. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Pick up the phone, give us a call right now because we are here to help you with your home improvement project 24 hours a day, seven days a week at 1 888 Money Pit, 888-666-3974. Hey, what are you working on this weekend? And the holidays are here, and you're probably getting ready to fix your house up before all the hordes of family and friends stop by. That's a project we can help you with if you call us at 888-MONEY-PIT. Maybe you just paid your very first true winter heating bill, and you'd like to play a smaller one next month. Well, give us a call right now. We'll talk about some ways to save some energy on your house. All great topics, whatever's on your to-do list slide it over to ours and call us at 888 money pit coming up on today's show we get asked more about floors on this program than any other topic so we're going to have some tips on advances in laminate flooring that can make it more water resistant than ever before plus do you have a spot in your house that could use more light but you don't have the budget to hire an electrician but we've got the lowdown on a new wireless option that can be installed for under 30 bucks and also ahead if you want to give your walls a new look we've got tips on wall covering that can add interest and color to your decor and if you call in your home improvement question, you might just also win a copy of our book, My Home, My Money Pit, Your Guide to Every Home Improvement Adventure. We've got three copies to give away. Would you like one? We'll pick up the phone and call us right now with your home improvement question. 888-666-3974. Brenda in Michigan, you've got the money pit. How can we help you today? Yes. Hi. We were just wondering, we have a basement that we'd like to remodel. And the only problem is that Right now, it currently has a glued-on carpet. It has paneling in the walls, and we had a termite problem. So we want to know, what would you put for, once we gut everything all out, because the termite problem's been corrected, what kind of walling uh, material could you use that would be anti-termite, anti-mold resistant? and moisture, and it's against a black basement. What would you recommend? For so for, first of all, what you would do is you would frame the wall out away from the block wall. You don't want to attach anything directly to the block wall because you need to have sort of an airspace between the wall and the concrete block so that it can breathe. If there's moisture that gets in the wall, it can evaporate. In terms of what kinds of materials you use, you're going to use um, either steel, steel framing, or you're going to use a pressure-treated sill plate that's the bottom a piece of wood, the bottom two by four, and then typical traditional two by fours on top of that. In terms of the wall covering, there's a type of drywall called Dens Armor, which is like fiberglass face as opposed to paper faced. And that's a good option for a basement because this way uh, that paper face can't feed a mold problem. In terms of the termites, 
Um, if the home is properly treated, you shouldn't have to worry about those. It's not like you need to worry about building a termite-proof uh, basement down there. The, the termite-proofing is the application of the right pesticides that keeps them at bay. Typically today, they use a type of pesticide that's called an undetectable pesticide. It goes in the soil at the foundation perimeter. As the termites pass through that, as they go to the nest, they, they pick it up and, and spread it to the rest of the insects in the nest, kind of like germ warfare, and that wipes out the whole colony. And those treatments are effective for 10 years plus. So if it was done, you should have to worry about that. Just uh, concentrate now on the best materials for, for finishing that basement. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Robin, Oregon, you've got the money pit. What can we do for you today? Well, I'd like to get some information about putting down uh, floor tiles. I know there's a right way to do it, and a lot of people I've seen do it. It doesn't look like they're doing it right. What kind of floor tile are we talking about? Are we talking about ceramic tile? Yes, yeah, ceramic tile. And uh, what are you going to be putting the tile on? Is it a wood substrate or what? Yeah, it's, uh, it's a plywood three-quarter inch over uh, floor joists. What size of the tiles that you're going to put on? Are they small tiles or large tiles? They're 12 inch. Okay. So the most important thing is that you have a really sturdy base because tiles don't bend. Right, and, and and if you don't have a good sturdy base, um, you could have uh, those tiles break and crack. Three quarter inch plywood is pretty thick, um, but I suspect that you're going to need to put an underlayment under the tile or to put a wire mesh down and put a mud floor under it, which is the best because that absolutely positively uh, will not move. And the better job you do um, with uh, getting those tiles on the right base, uh, the longer it's going to last. If you don't have a solid base and you get start getting some movement, you'll get cracks in the joint, and then you'll get cracked uh, tile on top of that. Uh, is this the first time you've done tiling? Yeah. I've, I've seen, uh, like at Home Depot, they have that quarter-inch uh, cement board and half-inch cement board. Yeah, the cement boards, yeah. And I think that that's, that's a great idea. And, in fact, what you, when you, if you put that down, you want to make sure that you overlap uh, the, joists, the joints of the plywood below it. And, and that would give you a good solid base. All right? That's why you probably measure it out to make sure you don't come up with a little sliver of tile. Measure twice, cut once, Rob. <laughs> good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Now you can call in your home repair or your home improvement question 24 hours a day, seven days a week at 1-888-MONEY-PIT. 888-666-3974. Just ahead, did you ever have a space in your house that's just too dark, but you don't want to go through the hassle of hiring an electrician to add a new light? Well, there's a super easy wireless way to add light where you need it now, and we're going to have a preview after this. You live in a money pit. Did you know that Americans take 20,000 breaths a day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors? That's right. And according to the EPA, the level of indoor air pollutants can be two to five times higher than outdoor air and occasionally more than 100 times higher. Plus, every spring we get sucked with allergens, too. Well, Air Doctor is an air purifier that filters out dangerous contaminants like pollen, pet dander, dust mites, and mold. Their Ultra HEPA filter has been independently tested to remove 99.99% of tested allergens, including bacteria and viruses. That's impressive. Now, Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. And they're offering a special discount to Money Pit listeners. Just head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT, and you'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. Exclusive to podcast customers, you'll also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. 
Lock this special offer in right now by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-Pro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT. That's AirDoctorPro.com, promo code MONEYPIT. Today's Money Pit is presented by Mr. Beams, lighting solutions that can be installed in five minutes. No wires, no electrician, no kidding. Find Mr. Beams lights at major retailers and learn more at MrBeams.com. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Give us a call now at 888-MONEY-PIT. You will get the answer to your home improvement question. Plus, this hour, we're giving away five copies of our book, My Home, My Money Pit, Your Guide to Every Home Improvement Adventure. It is full of the same kinds of tips and advice that you love to hear right here on the radio. Yep, except it's got pictures. Going out to one lucky caller, drawing at random. Make that you. Give us a call right now for the answer to your home improvement question at one eight 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 money pit Sam in South Carolina has a question about a counter. What can we do for you? I have a countertop that I guess it's uh, for mica on wood, and it comes up at the back, kind of rolls, you know, like maybe it's a cove, cove. Anyway, it rolls. It's about three and a half inches uh, up up the wall. Yeah. And then it, and then it, you know, it rolls on the edge too. I'm thinking for mica on wood. It was constructed in maybe eighty. My question is, it it expands and contracts away from this wall during uh, different cycles of winter slash summer, and just a little bit. It pulls away from the wall, and I wondered. I wanted, always wanted to put like, um, oh glass or tile uh, as a backsplash up from it. But as it expands and contracts, there's no way to seal it next to the wall. Um, so first of all, you're talking about something something that's called a post-formed countertop with that sort of uh, um, rounded edge that sort of goes up and over. Now, um, what you can do is you can put in what's called a backer rod, which is like a foam tube that goes right, push it down behind the countertop in that space. That kind of takes up the gap. And then you could use a flowable caulk on top of that, which would stick to the wall and the countertop, and it would expand and contract as the house moved. But I do like your idea of the backsplash, and that sounds like a perfect application for that, right, Leslie? Yeah, and you know, the small glass tiles really do look great on a backsplash, and they're really easy to install as a do-it-yourselfer because there's not a lot of cutting or snipping or shaping of tile to make it work for the puzzle that becomes the backsplash. Fantastic. Now, what did you say to put in there? So you want to use, there's a a foam rod called a backer rod. It's like a thin foam tube that you'll find at home centers. And you kind of want to fill that up because if you just caulk the caulk, it's going to sort of fall down to that big gap. So you want to stuff something in there so the caulk sort of sits on top. And then you push it down just right below the surface and then you caulk over that. Great. Okay, that sounds like a perfect solution. I really appreciate that, and I'm looking forward to having it just much more attractive. All right. Well, we're so glad we could help you out, and thanks again for calling us at 888 Money Pit.
Well, many times there are areas in our home where you just can't get enough light. You know, it could be a closet or a shed or maybe even your pantry or an attic. But other than running an extension cord and dropping a light or hiring an electrician to run wiring to install a new light fixture, which can be expensive, there's really no easy way to make that space more usable. Now, I had that exact problem in my home, and I decided to give a new product a try from Mr. Beams. It's called the Ultra Bright Ceiling Light, and it's basically a motion action activated light that is battery operated so it can really go anywhere in the home. And what's really surprising is that you're thinking battery powered. I mean, how bright could it be? Well, it's actually pretty darn bright. It puts out about 300 lumens of light, and it's got a diffuser on it that spreads the light over a space of about 300 square feet. Now, that made it perfect for my attic where we needed the extra light, but it'd be great for like a pantry or a shed or really any place you just want to pick up some additional light. Yeah, and you know, it's great. And I think it's also cool that the batteries can last a year if you use it eight to 10 times a day, which when you think about it, that's a lot. Yeah, definitely. The ultra bright ceiling light sells for $29.99, and you can can find it online at Amazon.com, as well as in major retailers like the Home Depot or Lowe's. Mr. Beams delivers surprisingly bright light anywhere. Learn more at MrBeams.com or call them at 877-298-9082. Robin, Massachusetts, you've got the money pit. How can we help you today? So my wife and I just bought a uh, brand new uh, house. And when we first uh, got there, we turned on a light switch and our fan in the attic started smoking. So went up there. It looks like it's the back of a submarine. It's like this really big old like propeller-driven fan. So that's got to go. Mm-hmm. So um, as I've been doing a little bit of research online, it seems like there's kind of two camps going on as to whether or not uh, it's really worth having an attic fan or not, whether it really saves energy and saves you money over time, or if it's really just something that uh, is kind of a legacy or a holdover from a different era. So I guess I just want to get a take from that. Okay. So is your home uh, air conditioned? Uh, it is not. It is not. Okay. So you're using what? Window air conditioners in the summer? Yep. Window, uh, we have uh, two window air conditioners up on the second floor. Now, the first floor has actually been pretty cool. So here's the thing. You're going to run this attic fan in the summer, and I presume this would be one that's repaired and not smoking. So let's assume it's operational. If you run it in the summer, what it's going to do is it will depressurize the attic. Now, it's going to try to make up that air from somewhere. Now, theoretically, it would pull in air from other vents in the roof, other passive vents, like vents at the gables or vents at the soffits or other roof vents. To be able to kind of take air from the outside, it will go in those roof vents, up through the attic fan and out, and sort of just cycle. Truth is, though, that those fans are usually a lot more powerful than the amount of passive venting available to make up the, the, the replacement air. So they'll sort of reach down deep into the house and start pulling out air from your house and venting that, which they're not really intended to do. They're only really supposed to be venting the attic. So what happens in that scenario is they pull out not only the warm air in your house, but the air-conditioned air, which is your expensive air that you paid to cool. And so that's why they can be very inefficient, because they can rob air-conditioned air from the house. Bigger problem when you have central air than when you just have window units, but that's you know, that's why we generally don't recommend them. Uh, this, the other reason is that you really don't need them. You could do just as good a job with proper passive ventilation, and by that I mean generally continuous ridge vents that go down the peak of the roof and soffit vents at the overhang. With that combination, 
uh, air will always press in under the soffits, right up under the roof sheathing and exit at the ridge. And it just does a good job passively of keeping the attic cool without impacting the cost of cooling uh, or having attic fires because your fan motor blows up. And then I, I guess just to, to go off of that for a second, uh, in the winter, I've heard that you can run the attic fan in reverse and push the hot air that's risen up into the attic down into the rest of the house. Is, is that also a myth? That's, that's, that's a complete myth. <laughs> I wouldn't do that. That would be actually be foolish. You, you could you could mess with your uh, with your the natural ventilation, the natural draft of uh, of your heating equipment by doing that, and it could be dangerous. You could build up carbon monoxide and and cause fireplaces to backdraft. It could just be a real mess. So yeah, I would not do that. Okay, perfect. Thank you guys so much. You're welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at eight 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 Money Pit. Mike in Pennsylvania is on the line with a flooring question. How can we help you today? My kitchen floor has, is vinyl, vinyl floor mm-hmm. with uh, a couple of things in it where things have been dropped over the years. So it's broken the outer seal and, and the black is showing through, the underlayment or whatever. So a couple of options, um, and I've, I've had experience with sticky back tiles on a on the laundry room concrete concrete floor. I've also put ceramic tile down in a foyer. Um, with the cement board and so forth. And what I'm thinking, in, in my kitchen, if I went with the ceramic, then I've got a, a problem with putting the cement board down plus the ceramic tile, and I'd have to cut some doors. My question is, I take the easy way out, uh, would sticky back tiles work over a vinyl floor? I think probably not too well. I've got another option for you. Have you considered laminate flooring? Are you familiar with it? Yeah. Yeah. So laminate flooring is perfect for this situation because you can lay it down right over the old vinyl, or you could pull the vinyl up if you choose to. It doesn't have to be glued down. The boards simply lock together the tongue and the groove joint of the laminate boards, whether they're uh, whether they're strips or whether they're square planks, uh, will lock together. And then essentially it will just sit on top of that floor. You leave about a quarter of an inch space between the edge of the laminate and the floor. You can use a, a piece of shoe molding to cover that between the baseboard molding and the, uh, and the laminate itself. And it doesn't take up a lot of room, not as much room as putting down, you know, you mentioned the backer board and the tile and so on. It's only going to take up about a quarter of an inch or so. Now, I've had laminate floor in my kitchen for almost 20 years, and you can hardly see anywhere on Terra at all. You'd be hard-pressed to find any worn areas. It's really incredibly durable stuff. There's no, no grout or anything. They, they just interlock basically like a tongue and groove, right? No. And and the thing is, you could find uh, laminates that look like stone tile. You can find them that look like ceramic tile or marble. And you can find them that look like hardwood floor. They're they're absolutely beautiful, and they're super durable. So I think that's the best solution for your situation. Mike, thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Wendy's on the line from West Virginia with an interesting project. How can we help you? Hi. Um, I am interested in purchasing a property that uh, was formerly a golf clubhouse. And I'm curious what uh, would be the pros and cons uh, between a commercial and a residential. As far as purchasing or the use of the space once you get it? What is the difference in um, like a commercial versus a residential building, I'm trying to find out, you know, are there big differences in the way that they're built 
Like, is that a plus? Are they built extra sturdy kind of thing? Assuming that they were both built to code, commercial codes are usually more stringent than residential codes. So, I mean, I would expect a commercial building to be built as well, if not better, than a residential property. Um, but it also has a lot to do with the zoning, you know, what what you're allowed to do with that space. Um, can you have a residence? Can you have a residence in a commercial space? Maybe. You know, that's a question for your local zoning officials for you to thoroughly understand. And if it is zoned commercial, it may have a higher value than it would if it was zoned residential. And if you turn it back into a house, you might devalue the property. So I think there's some economic questions there. But in terms of how it's built, I mean, generally speaking, it's going to be as built as well or better, assuming that the construction followed all the relevant building codes. I think the trickier part of this is to take a commercial space, which is kind of sterile, and making it you know, feel warm uh, like a home would. And, and that's kind of a decor challenge, right, Leslie? Yeah, but I think with the golf clubhouse, and correct me if I'm wrong, Wendy, they kind of have like a residential homey feel to begin with. So I think you might have, you know, some good bones to work off of there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of that lodge feel. Well, I think that's a good place to start. Now, I think part of your challenges is going to be modifying your kitchen because you're probably dealing with a larger commercial space. So that'll be something that will probably be a, a full gut renovation and sort of a redo to make that more residential and perhaps a kitchen slash dining area or a kitchen slash eat-in area. Um I think the benefit is you've got this tremendous space that was built very well as far as code goes, as Tom mentioned, so that you can really work within that. And it sounds like it's probably sitting on a great piece of land, too. It is beautiful. Thank you for the advice. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Hey, laminate flooring really is a great flooring choice, but one thing it's not water resistant. Well, thanks to a new technology, this is all about to change. We'll share those details next. Everyone should know that drinking water is important to staying hydrated and healthy. Having safe, clean water is the last thing you want to worry about, but unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants right in its tap water. That's why we are thrilled to be working with AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and is specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAs in your water supply. And they have water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. They even have a Wi-Fi-connected purifier and mineral boost options. And its proprietary purification technology is independently tested by IATMO to NSF and ANSI standards to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAs known as forever chemicals, nitrate, and many more. I can truly taste the difference when I compare it with my old water filter. AquaTrue saves you money also. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. That's less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you'll save the environment from tons of plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. And today, Money Pit listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to aquatrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter code MONEYPIT at checkout. 
That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use promo code M-O-N-E-Y-P-I-T. Money Pit. The Money Pit is presented by ClickStudios.com, the smarter way to a designer kitchen. Submit your measurements at ClickStudios.com slash free and receive a free custom kitchen cabinet design. That's C-L-I-Q Studios.com forward slash free. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And what are you working on this beautiful fall weekend? We're here to help. Soup to nuts and floorboards to shingles. Give us a call right now at 888 888- Money Pit. Well, if you're planning a flooring project this fall, one of the most important considerations is water resistance. Some floors do better in damp locations than other, and only a very select number of floors should even be considered where things like spills and splashes and even the occasional flood could occur. Yeah, you know, carpets, it's a fine choice for first floors and above, but for basements, it's really not a good idea. Your basements are damp, and when combined with all of that organic nature of carpeting and padding, that can create the perfect breeding ground for mold and dust mites and a ton of other allergens. Good point. And likewise, while solid hardwood is a beautiful choice for almost any room, if you're using a room that can get wet, you are asking for trouble. Hardwood can swell when it's saturated and it doesn't go back to its original shape when it dries, meaning you'll be looking at a pretty expensive replacement project. Now, one great choice for almost any location is laminate and especially the new water-resistant laminates like the new Pergo Outlast Plus with Spill Protect 20 which you're going to find at the Home Depot for $2.79 a square foot. This is a water-resistant laminate flooring, and it can protect against spills that you might miss for up to 24 hours. Now, that makes it a perfect choice for any active household. And here's one important installation tip that can improve the water resistance. The Pergo floor uses a unique locking joint called a uniclick joint, which seals out those spills for up to 24 hours. But to make sure the water can't seep around the perimeter of the floor, it's always recommended that the perimeter be caulked once the installation is complete. And there you'll have it, a very water-resistant floor. 888-666-3974. We'd love to hear about your flooring projects or your roofing projects or pretty much anything in between. Give us a call right now at 1-888-MONEYPIT. Theodore in Hawaii is on the line with a leaky ceiling. What's going on? We got a leak. We don't know where it came from. We don't know if it's from an outside frame on a window or if it's from vines that were crawling up the outside, which we pulled out and loosened the frame. Anyway, we've got a leak. It's a two-story house. I live on the main floor, and it's my ceiling that's leaking. And it's it's left, it's, it barely leaks, and it rarely leaks unless we get water from that side. So kind of like a driving rainstorm? That'll do it. Yeah, okay. And the thing is that we, we cleaned it with bleach and we put kills on there. And then, and then about a month later, we put um, latex on there. Okay. And I was told that ought to work, but the stain came back. It's kind of a rusty color and pretty ugly. So the question is, do we think it's still leaking, Theodora, or do you think it's just a stain you're having difficulty with? It leaks only when we get those Kona storms, and otherwise it doesn't leak. Storms come and go and does not leak. 
So if the leak is active, no matter what you put on there for paint, obviously it's going to keep coming through again. So we have to deal with the active leak. Now, you mentioned that you live on the first floor of this home. Is it a two-family two house, or who's upstairs? Uh, my daughter lives up. I live down. I rent from her. She's my landlord. Oh, I see. Okay. Well, you're going to have to complain to the landlord here, I think. <laughs> um, obviously... You've got a leak that's caused by driving rain, which means it's coming in generally through flashing. What kind of siding is on this house? I guess I would have to say that the that the walls are hollow tile, that brick that has a hole inside, and uh, there is no flashing. Um, I suppose there is on the second story on the ceiling on the roof. But in my area, it's just kind of, if you put adobe on there, you'd have kind of a brick house. Well, what you're going to have to do is basically have a contractor look at the side of this house because you're getting water up and under somewhere. And if you don't deal with it, the mold could get worse. Now, because it's a driving rainstorm, it's going to be probably flashing base, like I said. And so that may in- involve you uh, taking apart some of the trim around windows, for example, or where roofs intersect or where plumbing pipes come through and trying to get to the source of this. Um, one thing that you could try to do is uh, you could have a contractor run water down the house, starting at the top and working down to see if we can recreate the leak. That might help you narrow down where it's happening. The second story roof has vaulted ceilings. It's way up to heaven. They won't. They won't get up there with water. I know that. Well, look, you can get as high as you need to get with the right tools, Theodora. But the problem is, you've got to deal. This is not. You called a question about how to deal with the stain. It's not a stain issue. It's a leak issue. The leak has got to be addressed. Um, it's. It, I can't tell you where it's happening on that side of the house, but I can tell you it does exist, and you've got to identify that. And you know, you could try caulking obvious areas and things like that to see if it if it makes it go away. But I would recommend a more comprehensive approach, and fortunately, you're going to need a pro to get that done. So complain to that landlord. Get somebody in that can that can fix that. I'm sure your daughter will understand. Theodora, thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. And just ahead, easy tips to add color and pop to your decor with wall coverings. We'll explain that project next. You live in a money pit. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Give us a call at 888-MONEY-PIT. You will get the answer to your home improvement question. Plus this hour, we're giving you lots of answers. We are giving away three copies of our book, My Home, My Money Pit, Your Guide to Every Home Improvement Adventure full of all the great advice that you love to hear right here on the radio. Going out to one lucky caller drawn at random, make that you. The number again is one eight 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 money pit Mark in North Carolina is having some issues with door paint. Tell us what's going on. I've got a metal door that faces the east. The sun rises on it. It's a solid white steel door, but it's got a, a solid glass storm door in front of it. And I have painted for the last 19 years. And the paint peels off of like Shirley Temple's curls. So here's what happens. When you keep putting paint upon paint upon paint, eventually those layers just delaminate and they will not stick. So what you have to do at this point is pull that door off and strip it all the way down to the metal. You need to get all that old paint off. Once all that old paint is off, you sand it very lightly. And then I want you to use an oil-based primer, like a Rust-Oleum, 
paint it on, let it dry, and once it's good and solid, then you can put one or two coats of top coat over that. But I think you're putting good paint over bad paint, and it's just finding a new layer and separating. And you're right. When you have those storm doors on, it does uh, add to the stress of that finish. But I think if you strip down all that old paint, get it back down the metal, sand it up, put a, cup, put a primer on it, and a couple of coats of finish uh, paint over that, I think it'll stick that time, Mark. Cindy in Louisiana, you've got the money pit. Tell us all about your roofing problems. Uh, we have a camp, and it's got uh, it's a metal building with uh, the pitch on the roof. There's several different layers of the pitch. It goes down, and so let's be like three different pitches on it. We had it put in, oh, probably in 07 or 08. And then around uh, 2011, we decided to uh, pull off that plastic wrap insulation off the inside of the roof and spray on the spray insulation on it. And once we did that, that's when we started noticing the leaks. So we tried different things. We even had another company come out, pull out all the screws, and put in new ones that were a little fatter, and so with the washers and all that mess with them to seal it. That has not worked. We've been up there on that roof. I don't know how many different times trying to put silicone on the on top of the screws after we clean it down uh, along the seams. Um, sometimes uh, we've even had to get up there and he's had to pull out the screw, put silicone in, and put the screw back in. It's it's just been an absolute nightmare to try. You said these are metal roof panels? Is it like corrugated roof? What kind of metal roof is it? Right, it is. It's like a corrugated roof. So they're big metal panels, right? Right. When you've tried to replace these screws, I guess you're essentially taking the panels almost off the roof, right? Because you're removing all the fasteners. Yeah, well, we can't. I mean, with the spray and everything else, I mean, we had even thought about could we, you know, take the roof off and start over. And now with the spray down on it, we can't even do that. Oh, so this this spray is actually up on the underside of the metal roof itself? Right. So it's like glued oh, down now. <laughs> so there was basically no, um, there was no like sheathing or anything underneath this? No. We, when we started this project, we started it with someone who we thought, we didn't know anything and we thought the person mm-hmm. knew everything. And now we know better, but you know... We messed up, and now we're kind of caught in a bad position. So, yeah, it's it's not a good situation because it's kind of hard to try to repair something that probably wasn't put in well to begin with. So I have one idea for you, and that is to put another layer of roofing over the roofing that you have now, but put ice and water shield in between the layers. So ice and water shield um, is very effective at sealing these kinds of leaks that's specifically designed to seal around fasteners. And if you were to, if it was possible for you to put another layer of metal roofing over this, but put ice and water shield in between, that would definitely stop the leaks from happening. Short of that, I think this is a situation where the roof has to come off and you really have to do it right from the get-go because I don't think the, the, the roof was just put on, I guess, over some sort of furring strips or something like that. There was never uh, any ice and water shield underneath that. And so I'm not surprised that it does leak, especially from driving rain. I don't think you can rely just on the fasteners or even fasteners that have like rubber gaskets on them to keep that kind of a roof uh, completely leak free. All right. Well, I tried. Thank you. All right. Good luck with that project. Thanks for calling us at 888 Money Pit, 888 666 3974. I wish we could give everybody a quick fix, but sometime 
we just can't. <laughs> Especially when you have a roof that's been going so wrong on so many levels for so long, you just can't bring it back. Well, wall coverings can have a big impact on a room's decor scheme, both in design and, if you're not careful, your wallet. Well, fortunately, affordable products are making it easier than ever to achieve professional results on a DIY budget. Now, when you're looking at wallpaper, you want to choose the best quality paper that you can afford and then use it sparingly. Consider papering a powder room, for example, or a focal wall in the family room, or use wallpaper inside squares that are trimmed out in a molding in a dining room. You can paper the bottom half of the walls under a chair rail. You get the deal. Also, think about adding wall murals. You know, they're making a big comeback, possibly because many are temporary and they're easy to remove when you're ready for a change, and they're not just for your kids' rooms. You can bring the outdoors in with a full wall photo of a forest. I mean, that's really great for a walkout basement or a bonus room, or maybe even a sports-themed mural for that man cave. They're all great ideas, but somehow I can't imagine a trip to the wallpaper store, Leslie, where they say, what room are you putting this in? And I'm saying, my man cave? I don't know. I just don't think it's a guy thing. (laughs) Listen, I love wallpaper. I will put it anywhere and everywhere if you will let me. (laughs) Larry in Arkansas is on the line and has a problem with a well pump. Tell us what's going on. Yes, um, I live out in a rural area and have a well pump. And um, I don't want to have a plumber come way out here and then tell me some silly little thing that I could have taken care of. But the problem is that day and night this uh, pump keeps going on and off, on and off. I've looked everywhere I can think of where there might be a leak in the system. And I can't find any leaks, but the well pump just keeps going on and off all the time. Is there something that I've overlooked or should be looking at? How about your toilets? Have you checked uh, for leaky fill and flush valves? Yes, I put dye in the tanks and watched, and uh, um, no, no appreciable leakage. So, I mean, you might, this is called short cycling. And it's a pretty um, common condition. It has usually a lot to do with the water pressure tank not having enough air in it. What I would suggest you do is to have not necessarily a plumber, but have a well company take a look at it. Because I don't think it's that you have a leak in your house that's running. I think this is an issue with the well pump itself. It's either the control circuit or the pressure tank. Well, one thing that I that comes to my mind that I haven't been able to check, is there some kind of a check valve in that system that could be faulty uh, after so many years, uh, like, like 15, 20 years? Uh, yeah, and letting some of the water back into the well line and then reducing the pressure down to the point where the pump thinks it has to come back on. Yeah, it's all possible. But I think it's in the well equipment. I don't think it's a leak. Okay. I want to thank you for so, so much for taking my call, and I want to compliment you on the one of the greatest shows that I listen to every week on uh, the radio. Well, well, thank you very much. We really appreciate that. Thank you so much. Well, skylights are one of those projects that seem like a good idea at the time until they leak. If you're ready to say goodbye to your skylights, don't make a move until we tell you where to start. That's all coming up. You live in a body pit. Where home solutions live, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Give us a call right now at 1-888-MONEYPIT or pick up the phone or post your question online at moneypit.com, just like Sue did from Illinois. Yes, Sue writes, one of our countertops is about two feet of butcher block. 
We put in new countertops and sanded down the butcher block to fresh wood. Should I apply anything to that wood? Someone suggested mineral oil. You can use mineral oil or another organic oil, but the problem is it it doesn't really do a good job of keeping that space completely fresh. I mean, it's still going to attract potentially bacteria. I would rather see you use a non-toxic uh, say latex-based finish on it that will really seal the pore. So you have a surface you can clean. That's the problem. You got to be able to clean that wood um, because if not, you're going to have to you know treat it all the time with something like bleach or other mildicide so it doesn't grow bacteria. So there are non-toxic products that are out there specifically for finishing butcher block surfaces. I'd encourage you to pick up one of those and use that rather than the mineral oil. All right, now we've got one here from Joanne in Ohio who writes: My house has skylights, seven of them that constantly leak. The added light isn't necessary, so I'd like to get rid of them, but I have no idea where to start. That's too bad. I mean, I'd I'd hate to see you walk away from skylights because they're, you know, when they're not leaking, they're beautiful. All that light is going to be very popular, especially if you're going to be selling your house in the future. You know, skylights don't have to leak if they're installed properly. And if you're going to go through the trouble of taking those skylights out, Uh, You're going to have to put uh, new roof sheathing in. You're going to have to put new roofing in. You're going to have to put new drywall in. You know, you're going to have to do so much work to fill those holes. I'd rather see you replace them with better quality skylights that don't leak. You know, I've had very good success with skylights from Anderson or Pella um, or Velux because the key difference with those types of skylights is they're curbed. So in other words, the skylight itself doesn't sit flush with the roof. It sits up on sort of a box. And because it does, that box is really easy to flash or seal at the roof level. In fact, some of those have like flashing kits that pretty much make it almost impossible for those skylights to leak. I've had skylights from those manufacturers in homes for years, years, and through hurricanes with never a leak. So if you have the right kind of skylight, one that sits up off your roof with a good flashing kit, you never have to worry about leaks again. And I'd encourage you to do that rather than tear those skylights out and worry about having to patch those holes. Yeah. Yeah, that's good advice. I mean, you can really make them work and they can really be great for you. Well, when you run your dishwasher, are dishes coming out dirtier than when they went in? The culprit could be a clogged drain valve that's easy to fix. Leslie has advice on how to tackle that project in today's edition of Leslie's Last Word. Leslie? Yeah, you know, your dishwasher drain valve, that should only open during the draining cycle. But if it's clogged, it's also going to let water out during the wash cycle. Now, you've got to listen very carefully during that wash cycle. And if you hear water flowing back into the sink, then that means your drain valve is definitely clogged. Also, you've got to check the bottom of your dishwasher for any food buildup particles. You know, they kind of end up there. You're going to see that many dishwashers have a ball-style check valve that can get gummed up, and that's going to prevent dirty water from draining out of the unit itself. A wet-dry vac is really all you need to clean out those hard-to-reach areas, and then you can get that drain working again. Bottom line, guys, it's not hard. Take a couple of steps, and your clogs will be fixed, and your dishes will come clean once again. And it's a lot cheaper than calling in a plumber or an appliance repairman. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. With the garage getting so much wear and tear these days, it makes sense to give the floors a protective coating that will do double duty and also beautify the space. Next week on the program, Kevin O'Connor, the host of This Old House, stops by with a step-by-step walkthrough for that project. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. Money Pit.